Hey everyone, just a quick message before the show. We're a relatively new podcast, and we'd really like to grow our audience. So if you could share this with a friend or family, we'd really appreciate it. You can find us at anchor.fm forward slash dungeon delving. And if you really want to help us out, show us some support on that page. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Ready? Hello, welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm the Brandon Wagner. I'm Adam McKeever. And today, we're revisiting rogues. <laughs> I don't know why Batman equals rogue, but let's go with it. Well, Batman's totally a rogue. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, he's, a, he's a mastermind. Or not a mastermind, an inquisitive. The inquisitive rogue from uh, Xanathar's Guide. Because okay, they're cool. detectives. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, wow, yeah, rogue got... They didn't get Jack much because they don't shape. need it. Rogue is the the quintessential burst damage class with and, your sneak attacks and, and did did its thing and did it well. Uh, their one new feature is an optional feature that doesn't replace an existing one called steady aim. And if you have not moved, you can use your bonus action and reduce your movement to zero to gain advantage on a ranged attack. Ooh, which gives you sneak attack. So if, if you don't have another way to fulfill your sneak attack requirements to get that extra damage, you can use the steady aim to do it. And uh, my brother didn't like his rogue because he used this feature every round. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and he goes, well, it seems like he said to me, well, it seems like what you would want to do. And I'm like, sure, sometimes. But the way I would play it is if I see another way for me to get sneak attack, I might just take that. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if you're using a ranged attack against an enemy that is engaged in melee combat with your paladin, you get it, you can make that a sneak attack. You don't get advantage, necessarily, but you can still make it a sneak attack. Right, right. Which I would call good enough, and I would do that and then be able to use cunning action and move, you know, which is always nice. Yep. So, there's uh, two new archetypes. Yep, and... Sorry, it looks like it stopped recording there for a second. It did not. The first is the Phantom. Oh, the boy. Edgy. You can just be a menace all day long. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so bad. I love Star Wars, and I'll watch them yeah. all, and I'll enjoy them all, but Phantom Menace is so bad. <laughs> anyway, you can start collecting the souls of your defeated foes and everyday objects. What a good idea. Thought I'd probably need an encyclopedia to hold all of my anti-admirers. I like that she calls them anti-admirers instead of just haters. <laughs> well, no one hates her. They just they just anti-admire her. <laughs> yep. Tasha's so great. I love Tasha. I'm glad you guys met her boyfriend in Out of the Abyss. It was fun. One of her. Bo- I'm sure they're not exclusive. Yeah, yeah, Tasha. <laughs> I'm coming to steal your man. <laughs> she will too. Just not just because she can. She's going to glamour herself to look like Jolene. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. We listened to that yesterday in the car on the way home, and I'm like, damn, Jolene sounds like a babe. It sounds like, stop it. You're not leaving me for Jolene. (laughs) Anyways, so the Phantom's whole theme is that they have a connection to the spirits of the dead. That's really the theme of the Phantom. Because they walk the fine line between life and death, risking their own lives and taking the lives of others, they discover a mystical connection to death, which makes them the Phantom. And the Phantom gets some neat powers. I was a little underwhelmed. I'm a little underwhelmed by it, but it still has some neat powers. You're just... You're not... You're not overwhelmed. You're not underwhelmed. You're, I'm just you, whelmed. You're just whelmed. I'm just whelmed. I think it's I think it's a neat character. I just... I'm like... Well, I guess this exists as a rogue? I guess? 
don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. It's, I, just, I, it, it's just weird. Like, I like it. It's neat. It's just, it's kind of weird. I, I feel like it would fit in a very, like, uh, Mexican mythology inspired world for, like, a very, like, Dia de los Muertos kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Sawen if you're doing a European oh, world. Yep. Yep. Because all of the, like, the pre Christian traditions around the world are super similar to each other. Yeah. <laughs> weird i saw a tiktok of a girl today wearing who is a native american and she's wearing you know her bear clan or tribe i don't remember i don't know the exact terminology so i'm sorry if it comes off as offensive but she's wearing like her tribe's symbol and then she's wearing a mjolnir over it and i'm like i'm on board i I dig it yeah because they called you guys heathens too so let's let's be united here (laughs) savages unite (laughs) um so what do they get they get whispers of the dead after you finish a short or long rest, you hear the whispers of the dead and gain proficiency with a tool or skill that you don't already have proficiency with. And every short or long rest, you can change it. Oh. Yeah, every short or long rest, you oh. can lose the wet, the dead whispering in your ear telling you how to do... Hey, little mama, let me give you a proficiency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, you're sitting there and it's like, No, 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 you're supposed to turn it the other way. I know. <laughs> No, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> She's like, shut up, shut Grandpa. Up, Grandpa. <laughs> shut up, Grandpa. <laughs> and back in my day, Netflix came in the mail. <laughs> oh my god! I just <laughs> just watched a video where somebody said that. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, it's a, it's neat because Rogue doesn't already get enough expertise and proficiencies. So let's just give him one more. I mean, jack of all trades. What 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 the good is? It's like Rogue. Bard, kind of ranger, are those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none classes. Yep. Um, Wails from the grave, baby. When you hit someone with a sneak attack, you can have someone else hear the wails of the dying, and you roll half your sneak attack damage rounded up and deal that damage as necrotic damage just to that target. You can only do this number of times you get your proficiency bonus per long rest, but still... How many dice does our rogue in our party right now get? Six? Something like that. It, it's nuts. Which, necrotic damage is solid. Yeah. I think just undead and maybe some infernals uh, resist, resist it. it. But yep. It's cool. I also like the theme of it is I hit somebody with my sneak attack and then somebody else, because it has to be another target. You can't get those extra damage on the same target. That's within 30 feet, just hears the wailing of the damned. Oh, cool theming behind it they don't hear just anybody's screams they hear the screams of the soul of the person that you sn- you hit with the oh, sneak or attack or they hear their own oh <laughs> oh it, yeah it's like foreshadowing yeah i'm coming for you next i got you for three minutes of playtime <laughs> this is yeah, a man. super ed- this is like the edgiest rogue like sorry yeah. assassin get out of the way this is the super edgy rogue now. The, the, this is the rogue that in Adventures of the Forgotten Realm has the tragic backstory <laughs> the mechanic. The tragic backstory mechanic. Where something has to have died for you to be able to cast it. So, the ninth level, Token of the Departed. When you kill someone within... Oh no, you don't have to kill them. When someone dies in 30 feet of you, a sliver of their life as essence takes the form of a tiny trinket, and you can just pick it up and carry them around and do stuff with them. Oh my god, it's like the jade idols from the first uh, enemy in the first Kung Fu Panda, or was that the third Kung Fu Panda? I've only seen the first one, out of order. 
Yeah, yeah. That, oh, thanks, Art Van. <laughs> I've seen the whole first Kung Fu Panda, but never in order. Yeah, one, one, one of the enemies from one of the Kung Fu Pandas, I can't remember if it was three or one or it's 17. Because one, one is Kung Lao. Yeah. Uh, or Tai but, Lung. But he, he will, like, trap people's souls in jade idols. Yeah, that's not the 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 snowy the snow leopard from the first one. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what you can do with your soul trinket is you gain advantage on death saving throws and constitution saving throws. Uh, when you deal sneak attack damage, you can destroy a soul trinket to immediately use whales from the grave without expending a use of it. And Okay, so you can stockpile that thing. Mm-hmm. As an action, you can destroy one of them, no matter where it's located, to ask the spirit a question. It appears to you and answers the question in a language it knew in life. And doesn't have to be truthful, but it answers as concisely as possible, eager to be free. It only knows what it knew in life. So it can lie to you. Like, this is a feature where if what you if kill you use somebody... it in Zone of Truth? Does Zone of Truth affect spirits? I don't think so. I don't think it affects undead or constructs. Huh. And I would rule rule the spirits of the dead that you trapped in your trinkets as uh, undead. Let's see here, zone of truth. But um, I like it. I think it's 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 a neat. I don't Says... really like that option as much because I, as the DM, would be like, yeah, this thing's mad at you. It's gonna tell you whatever you want to hear. Yep, affected creatures aware of the spell. Uh, such creatures can be an evasive as long as it within the boundaries of the truth uh it doesn't say that it doesn't affect constructs or no, i thought it did yeah but i failed thing... save it can't can't speak a deliberate lie it doesn't have to tell you exactly what you need to can't know deliberately lie. but it can't lie yeah it says right here in the token of the departed feature that it's it's it only has the knowledge that it had turned by the dm it only it answers you in a language that it knows and i would allow this creature to absolutely i'm going to tell you the truth but i'm going to tell you in giant because my soul has been in your trinket for a while, and I know you don't speak that language. <laughs> so then yeah, you go, that... hey, does anybody in the party speak giant? My spirit of the dead said, to me, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then you, you say it back wrong because you... Because you... you don't actually speak giant. <laughs> and they're just like, "You ask your rubber what... ducky is in the bathtub? What? <laughs> it's, it's a neat feature that you can use for information gathering, but the fact that they can lie to you it says they're concise because they're eager to be free, so maybe I would absolutely play it as they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, yeah. So if you say, hey, is this path safe? Like, if you kill something, I would use this feature if I was playing this rogue. I would kill somebody. We're, we're like breaking into a stronghold. I kill something. I get a trinket from killing it. I'm going to break that trinket and say, where is the boss? Like, where, where does he take his rest? And then that monster might go, oh, take a left, and then third door on your right. That's the mess hall where everybody is right now. <laughs> Yeah. But then also, you as the rogue can absolutely roleplay it as, I do not trust the spirits of the dead that I ask questions, so now I know there's something there that they want me to find, <laughs> so yep. we're not going there. You can just reverse, 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 recurse psychology on it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe as a DM, I'd like roll a die behind the screen to decide if I tell the truth or not, but... Yeah. Or like how much of the truth you tell. Right. A partial truth or something like that. There's a lot. It's a, it's a neat ability, and the more we talk about it, the more I actually do like it. I didn't like it at first, but as we've been talking about, I'm like, I really like this little sub feature. That happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's all that's why we do this podcast is to take something that we might not normally give a second thought and flush it out and really talk about remember what i said in the very first episode i ever recorded is create memorable play experiences uh 13th level get ghost walk okay ghost walk let's see what this is you assume a spectral form have a flying speed of 10 feet attack rolls against you have disadvantage you can move through creatures and objects you stay in this form for 10 minutes okay so you are not invisible you're just ghostly yep and you can move through but they're difficult terrain but you take force damage if you end your turn inside a creature or an object okay uh you stay in this form for 10 minutes it's once per long rest unless you destroy a trinket it doesn't it doesn't say that you oh yep no attack rolls have disadvantage against you but you can still make normal attacks Mm mm-hmm Okay, really useful. I like it. It it feels very uh, Kaya from Magic. Mm-hmm. The the Ghost Slayer. Yeah, the Ghost, ghost assassin. assassin. Who recently switched out her daggers for axes in Kaldheim. Oh, yeah, you're on the Viking world. You're gonna you're not gonna use daggers. We're on the Viking world. Let's go. Hand axes for assassins, baby. Yeah. Um. And then Death's, Death's friend. friend. When you use Whales from the Grave, that extra necrotic damage you do to the secondary target also gets dealt to the first. So basically, let's say, so at, at 17th level as a rogue, you have, I think, 76 for your sneak attack. Rounded up for the half. So that's going to be at 17th level. No, it's 96 at that level. So you get five for the whale. So the whale is five. So basically your first target is going to take 96 sneak attack damage plus the weapon damage plus 5d6 necrotic. Damn. Yeah, your burst damage with rogue is getting nuts. Yeah. And that's what rogue does is one attack per round if they hit. Oh, and... and at the end of a long rest, a soul trinket appears in your hand if you don't have any soul trinkets. So you just always the, have the, one the because you're a death magnet. The spirits of the dead are drawn to you. I like that, like, where did this come from? <laughs> oh, somebody died last night somewhere. Okay, so now I'm imagining, like, uh, crap, what was that one archetype that had the masks from... Oh, uh, the Way of Mercy Monk? Yeah, so, like, you y- you can't really get it to work because you'd need to have more than 20 levels, but, like, a way of the mercy monk that wears like a plague doctor's mask, but also has this this feature in it. It would be like really cool. So when they find when they get their oh uh, so so like you do you do your three levels to get your way of the mercy monk. So you have like the basic stuff of that. Mm-hmm. So you're still wearing the plague doctor mask because it's important and all that stuff. But you also have this. So like you're just messing with necrotic damage all day long. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to be a way of mercy monk to wear a. No, but I, I like. You just want to do a necrotic damage build. I I just like the idea of still being able to use those punches and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. imagine punching for a sneak attack. I mean, one of your one of your flurry of blows hits can be a sneak attack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're just like bam, sneak attack. One of them hit you in the kidney and dealt like ten d six necrotic damage. Ah. Because <laughs> sneak attack is what extra damage of that damage type, so your one flurry of blow that deals necrotic instead, you just like all right, so that's a D four of necrotic from my flurry of blows on arm strike plus ninety six necrotic from my 
Whales of the Dying for my sneak attack. Plus, I'm going to use Whales of the Dying, so it's five more D6 of Necrotic on you and something else. Yeah. Yeah. Pile on that necrotic damage. I yeah. am death incarnate. Yeah, and now it doesn't sound like we're switching which thing we're talking about, but now we go to the soul knife. Yeah, soul knife sounds just like the phantom, but it's actually the psi rogue. Which? The psionic rogue. Like, okay, th th this picture of a halfling soul knife, like, it... Like the proportions just don't feel right. It looks a lot they, of they the a lot of the halfling art in this edition and in third edition, their he halflings' heads look really big. They it, look it like they have adult-sized heads on child bodies. Yeah, it's just like, couldn't you have made them like a little bit like more muscular? Or there's, like, there's art of a halfling gut? bard in the player's handbook who just has this gigantic head and you're like why are their heads so big i've never envisioned like when we're role-playing at the table i've never envisioned halflings as having like really big heads or big feet like they do in lord of the rings i just imagine them looking like tiny people with pointy ears yeah, yeah. and this uh, one doesn't even have pointy, pointy ears no, no. <laughs> what is going on I, I don't i don't know but i i i also have the ability to manify manifest my thoughts in ways that cut people i call this power words <laughs> Thank you, Tasha. I love you, Tasha. I'm a simp for Tasha. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, so... So the psionic rogue. They get uh, psionic power. They're, they're spies because they don't have to carry weapons on them. They have... So the first feature of psionic power gives you um, a number of psionic energy dice equal to twice your proficiency bonus. Uh, they're a D6, they upgrade to a D8 at 5th, a D10 at 11th, and a D12 at 17th level. And your various psionic powers expend these die. Which, from what I know about earlier editions of D&D, with psionics as something else other than a subclass of rogue and a subclass of fighter and some feats, is that's how they worked, is you got a pool of psionic energy die that you could expend for various psionic powers. And... Side note, I'm of the opinion that every sing the way since fighter and rogue have a psionic subclass, every class should have a psionic subclass. This is what a psionic druid is. A, I mean, sorcerer kind of has one with the aberrant mind. Yeah. So I guess sorcerer has one too. But that's just my side thing is I think that every subclass. If they don't want to make a psionicist class, they should just make every class get a psionics subclass yeah i mean they, they could be working on it it could be brewing in the background oh the uh the kickstarter i'm getting behind that has the, the weird wastelands that i was telling you about yeah that webdm is doing that has a psionicist class in it that's fully fleshed out nice but anyways so at third level your abilities are side bolster knack which lets you expend a psionic die add it to your roll for a skill check or an ability or a tool check which is pretty cool I mean, check but, using but a who, tool. Who, who's still playing Knack? That game came out, like, what, seven years ago? I actually was thinking about Knack the other day. I was like, I should play through Knack again. But then I was like, nah, that game's not... It, it was fun the first time. Yeah. And But it's just it's it's just a beat-em-up. Which rogues don't do. Rogues aren't beat-em-up characters. Nope. Unless, apparently, you're a necrotic-focused phantom. Then you're a beat-em-up character. <laughs> um, yeah. You do have to have proficiency, though. So you can't use your side-bolstered Knack to boost your checks that you aren't proficient in which is odd to me i think i don't know if it would break the game it might break the game to give the rogue the ability to add a d6 to any role essentially but 
I mean, they basically get to add their proficiency bonus to any roll because of all their expertise. So right. It, it's essentially saying like, okay, we have to give you some sort of a weakness. So, you so if you're if you're you making a check on, on something that you have ex- expertise with, and then you decide to use your side bolster neck on it, you're just like, I am not failing today. <laughs> <laughs> not today, Satan. Especially if you get. Oh, I'm fifth level, so my proficiency bonus is plus three. And uh, so I have plus six from that, plus a D8 <laughs> to do this check. Anyways. Yeah. Psychic whispers, baby. You can establish a telepathic communication between yourself and others. Up to a number of creatures equal to your proficiency bonus, then roll one psionic energy die. For the number of hours equal to the die rolled, you have a psionic link with them. As long as you stay within a mile. So you can have, if you're if you're the ty- the kind of party that does split the party and sends the rogue in first to explore and look for traps, you can have yeah. your rogue relaying information about the dungeon back to the party, in without it being just an out of character metagaming thing. Yeah, yeah, that that that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's definitely more role play heavy than mechanic heavy. Like I like it too because if if we were ever playing with a non psychic rogue and we didn't have a caster that could do this same kind of thing. And I was like, all right, you're going to go into the dungeon, you're going to learn where stuff is, and you're going to get a layout of the dungeon figured out. You then have to get out of the dungeon to relay that en- part that information to the party. Yeah. With this feature, though, you could position yourself somewhere to but, ambush someone when well, the party finds them. Yeah. So it could be a matter of, okay, I'm here, this monster's here, I'm going to follow them so I know where they are because they're dangerous, so I can help the party avoid a dangerous monster. Or help the party ambush a dangerous monster. It's it's a cool feature that yeah. has such a sweet strategic. I feel like the role play part of the game kind of falls away a little bit when you enter the dungeon because it's works. It's exploration of the dungeon and fighting the monsters, but yeah. it doesn't in, have keep, to. Keep in mind now you can only do that at a sorcery speed thanks to the adventures in the Forgotten Realm. Oh yeah, you have to explore slower now. You have to take a slow pace. But that gives you advantage on your self checks. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, psychic blade. Also at third level, you can manifest a psychic blade. You can also throw it. Oh. It has the finesse and throne properties with a range of sixty feet and no long range. Uh, deals one d six plus the ability modifier used for the attack roll. It, it uh, leaves no mark on its target if it deals damage. If you attack with a blade, you can make a melee or ranged weapon attack with a second blade as a bonus action on the same turn, provided your other hand is free. Okay, so basically it lets you have two psychic daggers. Sort of. Your second dagger only gets a d4 damage instead of a d6. So it's a little shorter than the other one. Yeah. And you can throw it. So you could just, like, I'm attacking the guy in front of me, and then I'm going to quick toss this dagger out at another enemy. Toss it into their brain, really scramble their heads. And it's after you attack, not after you hit. So if you miss with your primary psychic blade, you can come in with the secondary one and try to get that hit. At ninth level, your soul blades feature. If you make an attack roll with your psychic blades and miss the target, you can roll a psionic energy die, add the number rolled to the attack roll. This causes the attack to hit. If it causes it to a hit, you expend, a, you expend that die. So if you use the die to roll it and still miss, it doesn't use up one of your uses. So that's your homing strike. So basically, you always homing strike. Yep. And then you can also teleport. 
Manifest a blade, roll it, roll a psychic, psychic energy die, throw the blade in an unoccupied space, and equal, teleport to that space. A number of feet away equal to ten times the number rolled. <laughs> so you can be you can be the guy in uh, Final Fantasy 15 who throws his sword up at the rock and then teleports. Oh to yeah, not the way like Noctis jumps. Yeah, around. Noctis. That's what you can do with your with your soul blade is yep. be Noctis and just fly around the battlefield. Yeah, and I mean it. Doesn't have a limit, uh, other the, than your energy dice. Yeah, the you you have a limited number of uses of it, and the distance is ten times the number rolled on your die. So if you roll a one, then you're only moving ten feet, but still, you're still teleporting ten feet, which can get you out of trouble. Yeah. Thirteenth <laughs> uh, level, you get sight psychic veil, which lets you become invisible for an hour until you dismiss or deal damage to a creature or force a creature to make a saving throw. And that's uh, once per long rest, unless you you burn a die to do it again. Okay. And then Rend Mine at 17th level is when you deal sneak attack damage with your psychic blades, you make it make a wisdom saving throw. If they fail, the target is stunned for one minute. Repeating the saving throw on the end of its turns. Okay. Once per long rest, unless you expend three psionic energy die. Which, that's Doesn't... a 17th level skill, so your proficiency bonus is plus five, 6 at that level. Yeah. So you have 12 die at that level. And the first time's free. First one's free, baby. Uh, Johnny so soul, again. The soul knife is, is neat. It's it's a rogue that's not going to try to take off everybody else's magic weapons because they want to use their, their psychic knives. I, I It is interesting to me, though, that the, the damage of the knives doesn't go up at all. It stays at a D6 and a D4. Well, I mean, your added damage <laughs> keeps going up because it, it... It... Because, it, yeah, it's D6 yeah, plus ability your, modifier. It's plus ability modifier. It deals psychic damage, which is hard to... Which is very unresisted. Um, yeah. Like, so, they're, they're solid weapons, but it's just... It still seems odd to me that... And you're and you gonna... can never lose these weapons. Like they can never right, be taken yeah, they can from never be you. Taken from you. This is this would be a great class for, like, you happen to get captured at some point along the adventure. Or oh yeah, lose all your gear or something like that. Like, like I said, it, it it's the reason why they, as they said in the description, they make good spies because they well, could they, get, they, they could go into places where somebody goes, no weapons allowed in the tavern, and you're <laughs> just like. Okay, okay, I don't have any. You can. Search I don't me. have any weapons. Do you, do, you, do you want to do a strip search? My cavities are empty too. Oh God, you should why check. Did you say that? Why'd you bring up the cavities, man? <laughs> <laughs> because tooth health is very important. Yeah, no, I haven't gone to the dentist in way too long. Yeah, same. But I don't have dental insurance, so. <laughs> I do, which is even more sad that I haven't been. Anyways, <laughs> enough lamenting about how broken America's healthcare system is. is yeah, now, now, now we have to oh, lament. Target. Now we have to lament about how uh, there's not a whole lot to say about Rogue with Tasha. There really isn't. Tasha's didn't. They didn't need much. Rogues, no. Rogues have a great place in the world of D and D. They have a great place in really the world of fantasy. Like every, almost every fantasy novel has the rogue type character, and I, I mean, like what I do like about. I will say this about Rogue. Rogue is one of my favorite classes thematically because I feel like every rogue subclass, roguish archetype they're called, is so different from each other. 
And like when you think about characters from media and you think about like what class would they be in D&D? There's so many vastly different characters that you look at and go, "Oh yeah, they're a rogue." You know, mm-hmm. Jack Sparrow is a rogue. Uh I would say um feather in his hat. Robin Hood is a rogue. <clears throat> oh, but y- yeah, duh. Duh. He's a all, thief. All, all, all versions of Robin Hood are. A Robin rogue. Hood is a thief rogue. Um Jack Sparrow is a swashbuckler rogue. Uh Psylocke from the X-Men is a soul knife rogue because she has psychic blades on her hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't really I can't think of any characters from media off the top of my head that would be our necrotic damage big boy. But Yeah. It's just Oh, oh. we already said one. Kaya. Oh yeah, Kaya from Magic. Yeah. Um there's there's countless assassins uh what's i'm I'm blanking again thanks adhd brain sherlock holmes he's inquisitive Mm -hmm. um any like gang leader character would be a mastermind rogue a planner any of your planners yep like it like the rogue the rogue is more of a personality archetype than like a class i would say i feel like the roguish character is not as strictly a class as something like a paladin. Because you can be an honorable, knightly character without being a paladin. Yeah. But if you're a roguish character, you're probably going to be a rogue. I mean, you can be like a roguish bard. Uh, Like the bard who's the rogue character archetype rather than the class exists. There are fighter rogues. But even even within the constraints of, if I'm going to be a roguish character, I'm going to play a rogue, you have a lot of options for what kind of character you want to be. I really feel like rogue is one of the only classes that has a genre in nearly every medium yeah sure because there's there's stealth games there's the the the, like the roguish like film noirs and Mm -hmm. there's even audio dramas that are built on like being a roguish archetype Mm -hmm. like every genre has i feel a lot a lot of like every medium has some sort of genre focused on rogues right and the roguish character archetype is so popular you know you ask somebody who's your favorite star wars character they're probably gonna say han solo he's a rogue he's a swashbuckler that uses a ranged weapon instead of a melee weapon definitely but he's rogue or a scout the scout is your military rogue from uh, xanathars xanathars gave rogue four subclasses like, the only classes that have more subclasses than rogues are, like, wizards and clerics. Because and they wi- have a buttload. And wizards only have, like, all the school have so many because they have all the schools of yeah, magic. Yeah, they have all the schools of magic, and the Xanathars gave them Warcaster, and now we have the Bladesinger in Tasha's, and the, uh... It's like the Scholar. They have Their, their well, spell well, book gets a bunch of stuff. We'll, we'll talk we'll about get them to later. Them. But, like, rogues have so many subclasses because it's such a diverse character trope to be a rogue and it hurts my soul that so many people play the edgy my parents are dead i grew up on the streets rogue again magic made a card that is a rogue that has the ability tragic Tragic backstory backstory. i mean and it it works for rogues that kind of a backstory is a great backstory for making your character who grow up who grows up into being a rogue but but making your character who grow up (laughs) (laughs) make them grow skin and <laughs> skin is vital skin is life <laughs> but it's it i can see like my my rogue didn't really have that backstory my rogue just kind of you know he sailed the seas and learned how to fence and 
lost his wife. Lost and... his wife because he she was a human and he was an elf. So he outlived her. <laughs> but like I think his backstory is I think Luca's backstory is not that tragic compared to like No. I have nothing. <laughs> I mean, he he keeps adopting friend groups. Well, I mean, he's a four hundred year old elf. Everybody dies. Yep. <laughs> he he outlives everyone. Especially considering he's like the only elf in town. One of I I think Phil said that elves are starting to intermingle more, but like Lucan was one of the first elves to like leave elven society to intermingle with the humans and other short lived races. But you can be a rogue and still have a family and yeah. I mean, most adventurers don't have a happy home that they grew up in <laughs> because nope. people who are well-adjusted members of society don't run off to slay dragons with a bunch of bisexual strangers. But <laughs> excuse me, sometimes they can be pan or just gay. <laughs> there are no straight adventures. No, no. Stra straight, straight adventuring is a lie that Gary Gygax's son made up. <laughs> Just because my characters so far have pretty much only ever shown interest in women doesn't mean that they're straight. <laughs> I think they are. I think Lucan's straight. But. No, no, no. For anybody who's about to be like, um, actually, it's a joke. It's a don't, joke. Don't, don't make us put you on r slash whoosh. Most of my, I think all of my D&D characters really have been. I don't really think about their sexuality. As much as I like to hit on barmaids, I don't really think about my character's sexuality that well, much. Well, I mean. More of my characters have either been like celibate or asexual than they have I been mean, anything else. Hooking up with the, actually hooking up with the patrons at the bar that you go visit it isn't really a part of our game. No, and it's also very awkward because it's just like, oh, great. Now I have to basically flirt with the DM. It happened that one time where the entire party had an orgy with those Russians. No, no, Monkus didn't. Monkus didn't. Everybody but Monkus had an orgy with the Russians at the at the bar. <laughs> got sloshed the only reason that they were russian is because they lived in the way far north so yeah yeah that's not a russian accent it's a german accent da is the... <laughs> that i don't even remember those characters names i just remember that all of them were like seven feet tall and super ripped well yeah and the dad like... and his daughter yeah and all the other people in the bar, like everybody in this town was like seven feet tall and, and they, swole because and they, they fought like dragons all, every day. And they were like all involved and it was very weird. <laughs> I'm glad Monkus was not involved in that. <laughs> Monkus oh is just God. like, no, I'm going to my room. <laughs> eh. I think the only, the only, I, don't, I, I think you can't really do a roguish paladin. I think you kind of could, like the charming, roguish, rugged paladin oh, could exist. Geez. Um, the roguish monk. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of actually like the roguish paladin archetype. I'm pretty sure I remember that from somewhere. Oh, I can't remember though. Oh, uh, basically Bosch von Ronsenberg from Final Fantasy Twelve. He's very roguish in style, but he's also very clearly a like paladin style knight mm. in his uh, you know, work with uh. Dalmasca. Mm. I haven't played Revan that much Aster. 12. I oh. started playing it because Akagi was like, you gotta play 12. And I think the combat drove me nuts. It, The combat is a little dry, but <laughs> the storytelling in it is so good. It is like the best political thriller out there. And you know what political thrillers are great breeding ground for, for your characters? For rogues. Rogues are great. Every yeah. politician is a rogue. <laughs> 
every single one. They tell you they're paladins, but they're rogues. Every single one of them. <laughs> yup. They're greedy bastards. But yeah, rogues. I, rogues are so well established. I can't. I don't even think I can, off the top of my head. I think we did. A, I think it was good that we talked about having the rogue go in ahead of the party, though. That's yes. something that I don't think we've done much. I mean, Andrew's rogues like to go off and look for treasure while we, the rest of the party's fighting. We are so hesitant to split the party. Yeah, because the one time you did, because Andrew decided to go look for treasure, he found a shambling mound and brought it to the party. It's not even that, but like <laughs> we we just like really follow that tenet of don't split the party. But like sometimes splitting the party can do really interesting mm-hmm. things. Some of the best moments in like the adventure zone happened when they split the party. I've been listening to a lot more other people play D and D. I still haven't listened to like the popular ones, like Adventure Zone and uh, Critical Role. But like, well, the the problem with those is that those podcasts aren't how a normal table would play D and D. Right. No, these are all like voice actors and content creators and people who their job is to make stories and create characters. Whereas most of us, like, look at our table. I'm a I'm a carpenter. Tim works at a bank. Phil works at a gas station. And is a criminal justice major. <laughs> I, I, you, I, you're I, a radio I, tech? Yeah, I'm a radio technician <laughs> and also security cameras. And then Gavin is a child. <laughs> Gavin's a child, a literal child. <laughs> and Andrew is an army medic that's also a mason and is working on a degree in environmental sciences. So, like, none of us are actors and story creators. I mean, I, I, I was an actor in elementary school and middle school. I don't know if that really counts. <laughs> I am engaged in the arts of theater. <laughs> I'm a thespian, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, actually, I'm not a thespian. I don't like women. <laughs> joking, joking, joking. No, that's a real thing that happened. Yes. With, uh, who was it? Abe Lincoln. Everybody was like, his sister's a thespian. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, oh, oh, no, my. It's just like... You do know that means that they act, not that they. Yeah, well, I mean, they they might still give cunnilingus to another woman, but I I I almost I think about like that time period, and I'm like, was the was the term lesbian even coined back then, or were he, was he actually saying she's an actress and they are shady people? Don't trust actors and actresses and their friends and family. <laughs> I mean, I, could be. I'm not a history. I despite history being the class I paid the most attention in. I still didn't do well in school. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could just be a rogue and start spreading rumors like that anyway. Yeah. Mastermind rogue, baby. Yeah. Uh, we brought it back. Rogues are great. Rogues, I just... I Rogues for me are like rangers, where there's a character trope that a lot of them get put into that I makes me not like them. But when I just read about them in the books and all the po- all the possibilities they have and all the kinds of characters they can be, I can't help but love them. The lovable rogue character they're, type. They're, they're great. <laughs> they're great. That's why most furries awakening are on a rogue. Also, don't steal from your party. Yeah, don't don't Please do that. Don't. It's what my rogues are such a such a bait for somebody doing something disruptive and going. Well, that's what my character would do. Oh. Which, Don't play that character then, asshole. What what <laughs> podcast was it? Crit Academy. Every episode they said, Here, here's a, a great tip for everybody. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, don't be an asshole. 
that's that's like my if I ever do start playing with other people that aren't my friends and trying to make friends through D D, that's gonna be like, Hi, I'm the DM, so here's the rules I have for this table. If your character would be a pain in the ass to the rest of the party, don't play that character. And if you're like, Well you're hurting my fun, go find another table. I'll get over it. <laughs> I don't wanna play with you if you're gonna make everyone else have a miserable time because your character's a dickwad. Dickwad But all my friends are dickheads. So well, I love my life as a dickhead. <laughs> rogue party, baby. Party of rogues. There's there is there's only a shared um inventory because everybody's always stealing from each other. So as the DM to make things easy, I'm like, you guys have one inventory that you all share. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because you're all gonna steal from each other anyways. It's just like wait, how did you get that? Dude. Shared like, inventory. I stole it from you like three weeks ago. But oh. I stole it from you like a week before. Yeah, when I stole it from Chris yesterday, the day before that. What? <laughs> I stole that from a barmaid. How'd you guys steal it? <laughs> the uh, whole campaign is that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean where we're all pointing guns at each other. <laughs> That's the whole campaign. So they have to all be swashbucklers. They're all swashbuckler rogues. Pirate campaign, baby. Swashbuckler rogues. Well, I actually uh, thought about that, like doing a pirate campaign and limiting what you could be. You can be an artificer, but you have to be an artillerist and be the cannon guy. You can be a swashbuckler rogue. You can be a storm herald barbarian, a storm sorcerer. Pirate campaign, baby. Yeah. Anyway. Next is sorcerer. Do you want to pound out sorcerer today? Uh, I got time. I don't have anything else to do today. Yeah. We're, we're going to... Pound out sorcerer coming next. We are in a recording marathon, so we will not have a gap for at least another month. <laughs> yeah, baby, no more gaps. I think sorcerer's gonna be our last episode. Today. Well, I mean, I mean, thigh gaps are okay. They're not necessary though. Yeah, I've dated girls with thigh gaps. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I know Tim. you wouldn't. Anyway, as always, keep on delving, baby.